Come heavy or don't come at all You leave your peace at home, that's your call It never paid to be merciful Come heavy or don't come at all All right, folks, we're back. Another MMA edition of the Heavy Hitter Sports Betting Podcast. Oh, what a weekend we have in UFC, T-Man. UFC 259. You know what? There are a few cards on a UFC calendar that they're, they're, they're big events when you know the casual fan is excited. And by no means, if you're listening to this podcast and you don't know, say, or you don't get excited for a lot of the cards we've covered in the past, but you're extremely excited for this card, do not take it as an insult when I say the casual fans. But this is a card that it's going to be big. This this will be one of the highest cards of the year. You know, there's really only a few athletes in UFC or MMA, I should say, that sort of transcend the sport and will get many people excited. You've got Conor McGregor. Israel Adesanya is becoming that, I believe, as well. And I would say Francis Ngannou is at the cusp. But we got one hell of a card here. UFC 259. There are three belts on the line. T-Man, I told you this off air. I don't understand how the prelims can be such a good card. And then I go to the main card and it's packed. It's unbelievable the fights we have here this weekend. It, it, I mean, it's, it's incredible. We've got 15 fights on this card. I mean, we're headlining with Jan Blanchowicz, the newly crowned light heavyweight champ of the world. Now that John Jones has vacated that division. I'm going to fight at heavyweight. Um, no comment there. We'll be fighting Israel Adesanya, the middleweight champion. He's looking to become the second double champ right after Conor McGregor was able to do it. Below that, we've got Amanda Nunes, the GOAT women's fighter, fighting Megan Anderson. And then we have the bantamweight champ, Petra Yan. This is the fight I'm really most excited for. Petra Yan will be fighting Aljamain Sterling. Yeah, and you know what? We've... uh... Three title fights. I mean, just absolutely incredible. We've talked about this one, you and I, and there's we got a lot to talk about oh, today. Yeah, there's a lot to cover today. A lot to cover. So you know what, folks? Let's just jump right into it. We we sort of touched on the card last weekend uh, on the early midweek podcast. There's no sense in touching on it again. Let's just dive straight to this UFC 259. Here we go. Got a, quite a few fights to cover here. We're not going to cover every single fight. I mean, there's 15 fucking fights on the card here. Okay. But the first fight we're going to talk about, Tim Elliott against Jordan Espinosa. Okay. This is in the flyweight division. Tim Elliott coming off a win over Ryan Benoit. Meanwhile, Jordan Espinosa just took a loss to David Dvorak. Um, we're leaning Tim Elliott here. And which states, you just informed me, slight underdog. Slight underdog. 2.0 odds here for uh, a Tim Elliott win. You, I've seen a lot of Tim Elliott uh, you, posted, so uh, that's a good look for him. So you know what, states you should know. Like, I'm a Tim Elliott fan. I bet him quite a bit in the past. Yeah. It really hasn't paid off a lot in the past, mostly because prior to the Ryan, most recent Ryan Benoit win, he had taken three straight losses, one to Davison Figueroa, the current champ, one to Askar Askarov, who fights later on this exact same card. Like, fuck. And then one to <laughs> Brandon Royval. Just doesn't stop. Too, oh, man. my God. Um, you know what? The, the, the real thing here is I don't think Jordan Espinosa is a, a real UFC caliber fighter. This is a guy who came to the UFC on Dana White's contender series. We've talked about this in the past. Whenever somebody comes off the contender series, I'm excited for them. They show usually a lot of promise. And honestly, they usually come into the UFC and just rain hellfire down on whoever they fight. 
Not the case with Jordan Espiniza. Uh, he comes off that contender series, gets a win over Eric Shelton, loses to Matt Chanel, loses to Alex Pereira's, gets a win against Mark De La Rosa, but then, like I said, loses to David Dvorak. Um, I just, I'm not that impressed when I watch him. You know, he's got a good double leg. Uh, his striking is limited, though, one or two strikes at a time. To me, it kind of looks slow. He's a flyweight. Usually they're quite quick. He's a little bit of a slower fighter. Um, I just don't think he's going to have a lot to offer Tim Elliott. Now, this is not to say that I'm thinking Tim Elliott is going to be walking through Jordan Espinese and absolutely dominate every round. Tim Elliott's been very frustrating to bet in the past, mostly because there are moments when he should could potentially be winning a fight, but it's just sometimes I want to say poor fight IQ. I, I look back to the Askar Askarov fight when in the third round he's marching Askar, Askar Askarov down, but his chin's out there. He's literally got his arms down by his waist side and kind of motioning to be get punched in the face. You're losing points if you're taking punches. You're not winning the fight. I know you look tough, but you're losing points. you got to win the fight here. Um, but Ryan, Tim Elliott, look, he, he's a veteran. He's been around the UFC for a very long time. He's got some. Uh, he's fought some tough competition, and that's what the biggest thing here is. He's fought better competition. He's got an awkward style to fight. I think he's going to be able to employ that awkward style. Um, amazing grappling, you know, just fantastic wrestling, good chain wrestling, hard to keep down when you can finally take him down. Uh, yeah, he just wins this. Look, Tim Elliott to win. I like that. You want to start to get a little uh, sketchy, so to speak. Tim Elliott, th th there's two ways he's going to win this. I, I think he wins a decision. I'm going to be completely honest here. Okay. I think he wins a decision. 3.6. Yeah, I, I, I really do. I think he just kind of grinds out Jordan Espinosa. Now, Jordan has fallen to two submissions in the UFC. He, he has been submitted. Uh, Tim Elliott is quite competent on the ground. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he could get some sort of submission. So if you wanted to get risky here, those would be one of the two plays. I'm leaning more decision, but realistically, Tim could probably get a submission here. Okay. I don't want to talk about an over or under because really, I don't know. I could see Tim, a world where Tim Elliott comes out and submits him in the first round. But the way I'm leaning, I think Tim Elliott gets a decision, but I will be taking Tim Elliott straight up. So 2.0. Official play yeah, number one. Official play number one. Uh -oh. I said on the midweek par, uh, podcast there are going to be quite a few official plays. They're common, folks. Why not start off with one right off the hop? Next fight. Let's get into it. Staying in the flyweight division, we're talking Joseph Benavidez against Askar Askarov. Askar Askarov coming off str three straight wins in the UFC. Sorry, two straight wins with one draw. He drew Brandon Moreno. Joseph Benavidez, on the other hand, oh boy. It was a tough 2020 for him, taking two losses to the current champ, Davison Figueroa, where, uh, let's be honest, in that first fight, he gets pretty much KO'd twice. Second fight, gets KO'd and then brutally submitted. Um, yeah, tough 2020 for him. Uh, where's the lean here? Well, so here's the thing. Everyone is on Askar Askarov. I believe he, he's a quite formidable favorite right now. Do you... Do you think everyone is on Askarov because of what this, this is the thing. Figueroa did to Benavides? It That's 100% it. I, because I people, agree. Because a lot of people are writing off Joseph Benavides, right? But let but this is what I'll say. If J Joseph Benavides had never fought Davison Figueroa and they were making this fight right now, Joseph Benavides would be the favorite. A massive favorite. Oh, he would. Um, so look, I'm going to be completely honest here. I, I don't think Joseph Benavides is getting a lot of love. It is a risky play on him to be completely honest because uh 
the, the here's the thing. Oh, I like it. There, there, I like where you're going already. At, as soon as you start, there are certain fights where there, there is question marks, right? The more question marks you got on a fighter, uh, the, the greater he should be valued um, because there's a higher level of risk, right? There's a lot of question marks for Joseph Benavidez. He lost to the current champ. Think about this. Every time he has fought for a title, he has lost, right? I believe, so, I, I think I read somewhere he's zero and five for title fights. He's 36 years old. Um, what is his level of motivation going into this fight? What does he have to fight for? He, he realistically, if Davison Figueroa stays the champ, he will never be getting another title shot. So, so what does he have to win against Askar Askarov? Look, here's what I'll say. I think he came back initially too quick for that second Davison Figueroa fight. I understand why he came back so quick. He probably felt pressure from the UFC in order to kind of get that belt for the flyweight division. Um, but look, he's a consummate professional. I'm banking on the fact that Joseph Benavides is going to come in here and want to win. And this is a fight that he really can win. Look, Askar Askarov, when he first came in and fought Brandon Moreno, uh, didn't really impress me. Striking wasn't all that great. Comes in against Tim Elliott. Uh, he rocks Tim Elliott. I'll give him that. But apart from that, I felt a lot of that was Tim Elliott's momentum coming forward. So th that always helps, right? Um, look, Askar Askarov's striking to me seems limited. If you want to walk him down, you can. Askar Askarov has extremely great grappling. I'll, I'll give him that. But here's something that I, I really didn't remember until I looked over the old footage. Brandon Moreno and Tim Elliott take Askar Askarov down. They grapple with him. They they take him down. They're able to get back up. Joseph Benavides has always had that in the background, that wrestling that he can rely on. Being very athletic, working with Team Alpha Male, they've always had a strong wrestling base. Look, this is a fight that I think he can take Askar Askarov down. I think he can strike with Askar Askarov. I've known, I've seen some people talk about Askar Askarov even stopping Gen Joseph Benavidez, but I don't think Joseph Benavidez's chin is that shot. Look, at the odds that he's being offered right now, which states remind me what that 2 is. 2.0. When are you ever going to get odds on Benavidez at 2.0 ever I, again? I, I just think, uh, you know what? I, I could or when have you ever? I, I can see a world where he can get a victory here. So look, you know what? The, the lean is Joseph Benavidez because I'm not 100% confident that Askar Askarov can just wrestle grind Joseph Benavidez. Even if he wrestles Joseph Benavidez, Joseph Benavidez is quite competent on the ground. Who's to say he can get, can't get a submission against Askar Askarov? Look, I think it's a little bit of being overlooked. Um, the lean here is Joseph Benavidez. He's a good underdog play in my opinion. But who knows? Maybe I'll eat crow and maybe Askar Askarov will look like an No, I like killer. where you're headed here. I like where your head's at. Uh, I, I completely agree. I think he's, uh, you know, that underdog because of what's happened with Figueroa in the past. And people are saying, you know, he's done. It's over for him. But yeah, uh, the fact that Askarov is only valued at 1.8 because of all this hype and what they're saying, there's something fishy there. So yeah. take Benavidez at 2.0. Yeah. I like it. Benavides. All right, let's move it on. Literally to the exact next fight, bantamweight division. Song Yadong against Kyler Phillips. Oh, Song Yadong. Uh, team, I've seen some uh, some pretty vicious highlights from this uh, this fella here. He can hit fucking hard, this guy. Yeah, the dong can throw down. We'll put it that way. Song Yadong coming off a win against Marlon Verrera. You know what? Uh, some people thought that was contested. Um, the first time watching that fight, I'm going to be honest with you, I thought Marlon Verrera won that fight. Uh, Stapes, I know you had a little bit of money on uh, Song Yudong that night, so props to you. Um, but you know what? Upon rewatching, I did feel like Song had won. Uh, he's going to be fighting Kyler Matrix Phillips, somebody who hasn't been around the UFC that ver uh, very long. He's only had two fights, in fact. He fought Cameron Else and Gabrielle Silva uh, in the UFC. 
fought Gabriel Silva on the Benavides Figueroa card and then fought Cameron Else on the Holmes Aldana card. I like Kyler Phillips. I really do. I like everything that he brings to the table. I like his volume. I like his aggressiveness. He really pushes the pace quick early. Um, and you know what? I, I When I was thinking initially of this fight, I thought, you know what? I feel like this is going to be like the Marlon Verrera fight in the sense that Kyler Phillips is going to be able to qu- push quite a pace. Uh, Marlon Verrera was really in Song Yudong's face pretty much the whole fight, minus the f- first. The first uh, Marlon Verrera has a tendency to kind of take off. Um, but yeah, he, Marlon Verrera really pushed the pace against Song Yudong in the second and third, and it really made it a close fight. Um, but then I remembered, you know, Song Yudong won. He won that fight. And I think Kyler Phillips, again, I don't want to compare him identical to Marlon Vera, but he's not that, definitely. But uh, I think this is a fight he can win. I I mean, I think this is a fight he should win. Um, If Song Yudong is the prospect that we really think he is, which he's really been turning out to be, again, this guy is 23 years old uh, from China. He's been training at Team Alpha Male. Um, He should win this fight. I think Kyler Phillips is going to be a very good UFC fighter. I think it's uh, incredible that they're giving him, say, this level of competition at uh, his young UFC career. Um, but yeah, I'm leaning Song Yudong here. Uh, how do I see this really going? Uh, Song has incredible highlights of just knocking out people. I mean, uh, in the UFC, he had a TKO win over Felipe Arante, uh, a KO win over Alejandro Perez, where Alejandro was looked like he was out cold. Um, look, I'm, I'm going to take Song Yudong here. Uh, I don't really want to get too dicey about is he going to win by decision or is he going to win by KO? Um, I, I, you know what? I'm, I'm thinking a, a decision to be completely honest. That's where I would lean. But yeah, the lean here is Song Yudong. Um, I think he just gets it done. 1.66, 1.7 shop around for your odds. But uh, yeah, there's pretty good value there. Is that, uh, is that official play numero der? Yeah, you know what? I, I would say it's official play numero der. Um, to be completely honest, this is something that uh, I would even consider parlaying. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I just I'm unaware 100 percent just yet what I'm going to parlay it with. Okay. Uh, I will be making parlays on this card. I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to announce them right now. Just stay tuned to Twitter. I'll put them out in advance, likely Friday night. Um, that way, if you want to tail them. Um, but yeah, I again, I think just Song Yudong gets this done. Moving on, really, the, the main event of the preliminary card, we've got Dominic Cruz returning against Casey Kenny. All right. Um, there is not going to be a lean here. This is more of a just making people aware. A little bit like what we did when Guida fought Michael Johnson, where I said, don't bet Michael Johnson. You know, this is just a, a parlay buster waiting to happen. Where he should win and then he loses. And this is the thing. Like, I, I feel like a lot of people are going to be riding Casey Kenny, And I get why they want to ride Casey Kenny, But this is Dominic Cruz. And you just can't count Cruz out. Look, Casey Kenny comes off a good win against Nathaniel Woods, a fight that I believe he was a, a, quite an underdog for, um, if my memory serves correct. Dominic Cruz, um, God, this guy hasn't had a win since 2016 where he beat Uriah Favor. And obviously the, the tale about Dominic Cruz is very well known. So many knee problems, so many surgeries. Fights Demetrius Johnson back in 2011, okay? Comes back in 2014, KOs Takaya Mizugaki. At UFC 178. Impressive win there. He goes on and beats TJ Dillashaw. TJ Dillashaw, who probably is, in my opinion, one of the best bantamweight champions we've ever seen. That was incredibly impressive. Goes on to then beat Uriah Faber. Um, takes a loss in 2016 to Cody Garbrandt. 
tries to come back in 2020 and loses to Henry Cejudo. I mean, this guy's good. Like, if you're basing it off his last two performances, yeah, he loses this fight, right? Yeah. But Dominic Cruz can come back, and he really only loses to the upper echelon uh, competition. Cody Garbrandt, well, that was Cody Garbrandt's peak. And Henry Cejudo, Henry Cejudo is an incredible bantamweight and flyweight champion. If Dominic Cruz comes back and looks an ounce of how he looked when he fought Uriah Faber or TJ Dillashaw, I think he can style on Casey Kenny. It's hard to look good against Dominic Cruz, especially the points fighting style he brings to the table. So look, what, Stapes, tell me, what is a Casey Kenny win? Casey Kenny win is uh, 1.72. So that's there is value there, and that's why people are jumping all over him. I, I, I just, if you're going to make a straight up pick, yeah, sure, feel fine. But look, don't parlay this. Yeah, I think this is going to be something that people are going to feel attracted to the parlay. Um, if you want to take a shot on a Dominic Cruz, it's a, this is a gamble here, like right? You, you have no idea what type of Cruz is going to show up. I mean, he's been doing the ESPN thing. He's been doing the broadcasting. You just don't know how focused he is. Casey Kenny, this is his big opportunity to come out kind of into the limelight. Um, yeah, I just, I really don't know. There's a lot of question marks for me on this fight, Cart. There's a lot of question marks on this fight in particular. So I'm not leaning either way. I'm just, I would say, exercise caution on this fight. Perfect. Nice one to stay away from. I like it, T-Man. What do you got next for us here? All right, we're going on to the main card. Pretty much, folks, we're going to talk about this whole bloody card. All right, first fight we're going to talk about is Tiago Santos against Alexander Rakic. All right, Tiago Santos coming off two losses, one to John Jones back in July 6, 2019. His most recent loss to Glover Teixeira, um, November 7, 2020. Alexander Rakic, on the other hand, is coming off a win up against Anthony Smith that he fought back in August 29, 2020. Um, all right, look, when I initially thought about this fight, I've said Tiago Santos, 100%. Yep. I mean, he's got the KO power. And you mentioned that early in the week, too. I mentioned that early in the week. In fact, when we were looking over this card, prior to me even knowing the odds, I said, yeah, I like Tiago Santos there. thing with Alexander Rakic, I've never been super impressed with him. Now, to me, he's always come off more as a uh, an athlete who then became a fighter versus, say, a fighter who's in a great athlete. And what I mean by that is that I mean, he's, he's an incredible athlete. You take a look at this guy. And I know uh, when there are people betting, when both individuals pop up on the screen, uh, you're going to think Jesus. Like, yeah. T-Man, I took a look at uh, Tiago Santos, and that guy is massive. Tiago Santos is massive. He's huge. Alexander Rakic on the other hand as well. I mean, he looks like a bodybuilder, right? He looks, he looks like he should be playing football, frankly. Um, so I said Tiago Santos. 100%. But here's the thing that worries me. I, I went and rewatched Alexander, a few of Alexander Rakic's fights, and I, I remembered, oh, this guy loves to grapple. And that is Diego Santos's big Achilles heel. He's always had this when he fought at middleweight. He fought when he and his fight against Glover Teixeira at light heavyweight. This kind of came out. Uh, he's just not great against grapplers. Uh, he can be taken down. He can be held down. He has a black belt in jujitsu. It really doesn't show. Uh, so the, really, this fight goes only one of two ways for me. Tiago Santos knocks out Alexander Rakic or Alexander Rakic rides out a unanimous decision because he takes him down multiple times and just grinds on him yeah. because he can do that. He did that against Anthony Smith. He just laid on him for pretty much three rounds. Um, and so it comes down to what, what would I rather take? Um, Stapes, just humor me. What is Alexander Rakic to win by decision? 
Alexander Rakic to win by decision. So to win straight up is 1.62, right? He's the mm. favorite. Yeah. Uh, by decision, you're looking at 3.25. 3.2. Tiago so, Tiago Santos uh, to win by uh, KO. What would that 2. be? 2.87. Yeah. And like that's what they're that's what they're saying, right? 2.3 to win for yeah. Santos yeah. and 2.87 to win by okay. KO. So I, I'm gonna be honest with you. I said initially Tiago Santos. I've been telling you that all week. Yeah. Uh off the air. On the air, I'm leaning Alexander Rakic. Look here. I, I think the decision prop, I think that that's of good value. I here's the thing. When Tiago Santos fought, say Jan Blanchowicz, okay, it was a slow paced fight. There was a lot of leg kicking. I think that's going to happen here. I think Alexander Rakic understands the type of power that Tiago Santos possesses. Yeah. I don't think he's going to want to stand that much because he's been wobbled himself in the past. Mm-hmm. So I think this is a grappling heavy fight. And I think just his level of athleticism, he's going to be able to kind of bulldoze Tiago Santos over. And I think it's just a matter of he gets two rounds in the books. Third round, Tiago Santos is a little bit tired. Um and yet, Alexander Rakic wins a decision. And albeit, like, this could be a very exciting fight, and I could absolutely regret my switch pick here, and that Tiago just knocks Alexander Rakic out. I think this might be a boring fight. I'm going to be honest. I think this could be just an Alexander Rakic grind-out fight. So, 3.25. Yeah. Why yeah. not put a little sprinkle on I, that? I'm though? probably going to do that. You know what? And I, I might even parlay Alexander Rakic to win with somebody else. We'll see. Check Twitter for that. All right, moving on. Next fight on the card, we got in the lightweight division. We got Islam Makachev against Drew Dober. T man, this is one of the the fights I'm actually most interested to see. I want to see how this uh, Khabib prodigy, you know, actually looks against a you know somewhat of a contender here. You know what's funny here is uh, somebody mentioned this that this is uh, um, Khabib against Justin Gaethje 2.0, and, okay. he, and they're right a little bit because Drew Dober actually trains with Justin Gaethje. Wow. It's under the same coach. Islam Makachev trains with Khabib, obviously. Um, look, here's the thing. Islam Makachev should win this fight. Mm-hmm. The The game plan to beat Drew Dober is out there. Drew Dober, for people who don't know, he's a kickboxer. American kickboxing champion. Um, great hands. He's recently changed camps, and ever since he changed camps, he's been looking great. Let me just pull up his record real quick. Yeah, three KOs in a row against Alexander Hernandez, Nazrat Hakparast, and then a TKO win against Marco Polo Reyes. I mean, he's been looking great as of late. Um, Makachev, obviously only one blemish in his current UFC run against Andrino Martin. Martin. In his second UFC fight back at UFC 192, where he got KO'd uh, literally, I, I think, under two minutes in the first round. Apart from that, he's been perfect. Um, look, this is a fight that Islam Makachev should win. Uh, Islam Makachev seems to be continuously getting better in the striking department every fight out. Uh, all he needs to do is really take Drew Dober down. It's his world as soon as he takes it down. Uh, the worry I have with Islam Makachev is that, to me, he doesn't seem urgent to take people down. He's very comfortable with just standing. There's a lot of comparisons between him and Khabib. Khabib will, has publicly said that he's the next champ. Cormier has even come out and said that in the training room, Islam Makachev's a better wrestler than Khabib. Look, Khabib, when he comes out, it, there's an urgency to take you down. He immediately starts shooting for takedown. Islam Makachev is comfortable with striking. He's a little bit of a counterpuncher where he's going to wait for you to make the first move, and then he'll really come in with his strikes and even come in with the takedowns. Um so that worries me a little bit. I don't like the fact that he potentially might feel comfortable with standing with Drew Dober because that's where Upset City happens. But I've thought about this a lot, and I thought about the uh, the prospect of even betting Drew Dober because the Drew Dober price 
looks tasty. I'm not well, gonna like, lie. Well, like, yeah, and 1.28 even, against a 3.75, right? And then do, Dobert even win by KO? Because I don't think he's winning a decision here. I think the longer this goes, the more it favors Islam. Um, 5.5. I mean, that looks that that 5.5 that has shades of Derek Lewis written all over it yeah, here. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, but I really do think Islam Makachev is the real deal. I think this is his fight that he needs to win. I think Islam wins. I don't think he wins by KO. By submission, I think that's that's more live, but I don't think it happens. I think Islam Makachev by decision, if I'm going to do a straight-up pick, it's probably that because I think the Islam line itself is overinflated. Okay, so T-Man, like I told you, I'm very intrigued on this. I want to see this fight. But what you just said there, Islam to win at 1.9, that is by decision. Those are good odds. Yeah, 100%. That looks like good money there. Islam by decision at 1.9, I'm really really tempted on that one my thing here is that what i'm hoping happens islam comes out and shows urgency to take drew dober down because the like i said the longer it stays on the feet the more i become worried i think just drew dober is much better uh, if islam comes out and within say the first minute he's shooting a takedown and gets on top control i, I love that 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 fires me up um i don't think this is going to be drew dober he has been taken down in the past, but he usually can get back up. Alexander Hernandez took him down multiple times, and he was able to get back up. I don't know if he's going to have that e- as easy of a time getting up from Islam Makachev. Um, but hopefully he does, frankly, because like I said, if I'm going to be taken by decision, I want the fight to go long. I don't want Islam to absolutely just trash him on the ground, which I don't think he really will. So like I said, pick here is Islam Makachev. I think the line's a bit juiced, though, because that KO prop is available, especially for Drew Dober. So but here's what I would say. Sprinkle Islam Makachev to win by decision. Um, if you believe in Islam's Makachev's finishing power, he's going to get a submission. He's not going to get a KO out here. But if you want to do a red coat bet, and a red coat bet just being take the guy with the fucking the punching power, take Drew Dober to win by KO. I mean, I don't see Drew Dober if he's going to win by decision. That's a shout out to who you know who you are. Shades of Lewis. <laughs> Shades of Lewis. Yeah. 5.5. <laughs> All right, let's move on. All right, we got the first title fight on the card. Likely the one that I'm the most excited for. This- yeah, this is the most interesting line, right? We've seen so much movement over the last little bit. It's very interesting to see where we're going with this. Frankly, th- this uh, this main card for me is built a little bit like a mountain in the sense that Petra Yawn versus Aljamain Sterling, to me, reigns at the top. This is the most exciting fight on the card for me. Petrian just came. He's the new champ. Just took it over Jose Aldo, a fight where he TKO Jose Aldo on the fifth round. Aljamain Sterling um, made me eat my words. I bet against him in his most recent fight. He has a, a submission win over Corey Sanhagen, literally under two minutes in the first round. Um, very impressive. I'm not going to lie. I did not. You always had to accept that was within the realm of possibility, but the fact of how efficiently he was able to get it done, I mean, props to him. Aljamain Sterling has made quite a run as of late with five straight wins, one against Brett John, Cody Stamen, Jimmy Rivera, Pedro Munoz, and then Corey Sanhagen, like I said. Prior to that, he had taken a KO loss to Marlon Marias. Um, he looks good. Like, there's no denying it. Who are we leaning with? I got to go with the champ, Petrion. Look. I've seen the narrative online, and there's been a lot of love for Aljamain Sterling. A lot of love that Aljamain Sterling is going to just be able to just take Petrion down, just grind him out. And that's the thing. If Aljamain Sterling wins, I, I really only see it two ways. He either gets a quick submission right off the bat, or it's a boring fight, and it's just a five-round grind fest where 
does his little kicks, pins Petrion against the wall, takes him down, and then maintains top control for an extended period of time. He's he's not devastating on the feet here. Look, his striking all revolves around getting a takedown. He's heavy kick game. A lot of leg kicks, a lot of kicks to the body. His striking when he uses his hands, so for his boxing, I mean, it, it's not all that fluid. A lot of it's just throwing punches and bunches. Uh, Petrion is the complete opposite. Petrion is, is vicious on the feet. He's not the type of guy who's going to have one punch KO power, so don't be coming in expecting that he's just going to knock Aljamain Sterling out. But he's more of a, a slow build. You know, this is a guy who he might start off the first and second round slow, but he just gains momentum. He's like a snowball rolling down the hill. It was a little scary, eh, in the last fight? But, but Early, you, but, but again, early. He took over after. And you know what? He makes adjustments during the fight, and that's something you love to see. All good champions are great at making adjustments. When they're not, something's not working for them, they they switch it up. Look, he yeah. was getting kicked alive by Josie Aldo. Josie Aldo known by those le- uh, massive leg kicks. Um, what does he do? He starts getting dirty boxing with Josie Aldo. Eventually starts picking up the pace and winning the fight. Um, Petrion, look... When I was thinking about this fight, I was going back and forth because I, I really have a hard time going against the wrestler often. But it wasn't until I listened to an interview with Dominic Cruz and Ariel Hawani. Dominic Cruz appears to be leaning Petrion. And what he pointed to, he said, you got to look back. You got to look back at the fight with Magomed Megamidoff. So I said, you know what? I got my homework. Let's take a look at this. March 26, 2016, he fights a gentleman by the name of Magomed Megamidoff. This is Petrion. Often some Russian promotion. This is his only loss of his career. Magomed just came out to wrestle. That's what he did for five rounds. He just employed a heavy wrestling game plan. And he was able to take Petrion down on multiple occasions. Petrion gets back up. But that's all Magomed wanted to do. He was the Russian backpack that night. And he takes a win. Split split decision over Petrion. They rematch in April 15, 2017. So about a year removed. Petrion looks significantly better. He's much better at measuring the range. He's much better at defending the takedowns when he gets taken out, popping back up, and then making Magomed pay for being taken down. This, he's already suffered a loss at the hand of a wrestler. He knows what that feels like to be grinded for five rounds. I don't think Aljamain Sterling is going to be able to do that, Petrion. Aljamain Sterling is being played up like he's the bigger guy. He's just going to be able to ragdoll Petrion. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Petrion knows exactly what this fight's going to look like. There's not a lot to pre- prepare for an Aljamain Sterling in the sense that you know what his game plan is. He wants to take you down. I think he's going to be ready. He's been training in uh, Russia, as a, I believe, with quite a bit of uh, Russian wrestling talent. So I think he's going to be prepared. Um, I think he's going to be able to mitigate the distance well. I think he's going to be able to block the shots. And when he blocks the shots, I think he's going to make Aljamain Sterling pay. Um, and I think, frankly, this is the best value you're going to get on Petrion in a long time because I think the subsequent people he fights... Um, if their name's not Corey Sanhagen, I think he's going to be a massive favorite against, or TJ Dillashaw for that matter. So yeah, I love me some Petrion here. Uh, I think he beats Aljamain Sterling. Just every fight starts on the feet, right? And that's where he's the most comfortable with. Aljamain Sterling, I think, might have some moments where he gets taken, uh, gets takedowns. I don't think he's going to be able to do anything with them. Petrion, 88% takedown defense. Look, he's good, right? Petrion, that's the way I'm going. That is going to be an official play. And I'll tell you what, I like this fight for overs. So I'm probably going to take an over 1.5 and an over 2.5 on this. The over 1.5 might not be valued very well, so that might be a parlay piece. But the over 2.5, I believe we'd probably be getting into some money that we like. 
Uh, 1.61 for over 2.5. You're getting into better odds with the the three and a half. You know what? I do think this fight goes long, to be completely honest. I'm always hesitant to bet going to decision or a fighter to win by decision when they're fighting a 25-minute fight because it's just so much could happen. Uh, But look, yeah, maybe we have to go over 3.5. I think this fight goes long. I think uh, Aljamain Sterling could potentially get this done early. But like I said, I don't think he's going to be able to employ the wrestling and uh, use his BJJ like he's expecting to. So I think this fight goes long. I think it honestly goes five rounds. So yeah. if you want to take Petrion by decision, I mean, f- feel free to do it. Or either fight to, to, to win by decision. I, I think this goes to decision. Yeah, Petrion by decision, 3.75. Okay. Uh, what is Alger- it? Aljamain Sterling, 4.33 by decision as well. So. What, what is this fight to just go to the distance? Just go to the distance. You're just breaking into plus money, 2.1. Okay. So... Over three and a half, 1.83, that's kind of where they've cut it off. Uh, That breaks even. So that might be the play there. All right, moving on. We got Amanda Nunes against Megan Anderson. I don't have much to say. I'll be completely honest on this. Amanda Nunes is the GOAT women's fighter. I mean, she's done it all. I mean, she has a win over Ronda Rousey. She has two wins over Valentina Shevchenko. She has a win over Chris Cyborg, win over Holly Holmes, win over Jermaine Durandamy. I mean, she's, she's got big name wins. She hasn't lost since Kat Zingano back in 2014. Uh, look, Amanda Nunes is the girl. She is the double champ. The, the only thing I could say is that Megan Anderson, what, is, what are the tools she brings to the table? She's huge. She's six foot. In the offseason, I think she weighs around 170 pounds. She's got quite a big weight cut. Um, she's got good striking. She's working under Glory MMA. I mean, you would imagine that they were going to have a good game plan for Amanda Nunes and potentially capitalize on the fact that Amanda Nunes, uh, a new mother, so you would imagine the training is harder for them this time around. You'd also imagine that Amanda Nunes has a harder time getting up for this fight. She's fought such big names. It's quite the fight, or it's quite the change of pace to go from fighting, say, Valentina Chevchenko, Ronda Rousey, um, all these killers, to suddenly fighting Megan Anderson, somebody who really hasn't shown all that much to in the UFC. Um, but here we are. Look, I, I don't want to bet Amanda Nunes. I don't think there's any value there. I mean, Is there any value in Megan Anderson? So so you know what? Everyone's going to have a puncher's chance, right? Yeah. And um, If Megan Anderson wins this fight, how is it? I think it's a, I think it's a KO. Okay. I think, you know what? I, I will acknowledge she's big. Uh, she, I could see her potentially getting a finish. I could see her dazing Amanda Nunes, potentially. Um and when I say I see that happening, I, I just mean it's a possibility. There's been stranger things that have happened. I think Amanda News really is better than at everything than Megan Anderson. I think honestly, what I think we're going to see is Amanda Nunes employ a game plan that's similar to when she fought Jermaine Germandamy, where it was heavily heavy wrestling. So I think there's going to be a lot of grappling. Uh, really, the only things I love on this are betting overs, uh, pretty much all the way to like an over three point five. Um, I, I would feel confident, and I think this is going to be a relatively, uh, I, I'm hesitant to say boring fight, but I don't think this is going to be a, a slobber knocker, so to speak. The people that Amanda Nunes have, have put out quickly are people who run into the fire with her. I, I don't know that Megan Anderson is going to want to run into the fire with Amanda Nunes right off the bat. Um, I, I would just, if you're going to bet anything, you bet a Megan Anderson to win by TKO KO. I think it's ridiculous odds. Yeah, 11, 11 odds there. 11.0. I, I know my boy, uh, um, diehard MMA is taking a stab on Megan Anderson by uh, uh, KO TKO. Uh, I, I can't blame him. 
I mean, that seems to be the too play. much value not to, right? Like yeah, that, just... that's the thing. You sprinkle even a quarter of a unit down, and you're making it back quite a bit. Now hold the phone here, T man. Um, the total rounds you just talked about. Yeah. You say this could go longer than you possibly like some others may think. Yeah. T man, you talked about over a potential three point five, right? Yeah. Over one point five rounds is valued at one point eight three. So you know what? I'm I'm t- I'm taking it there. That that that's legitimate. It one point eight three is exactly what I'm looking for. I, I and Stapes, obviously, you're, you're realizing that I didn't look look over the odds prior to this attentively, but yeah, one point eight three. I like that because of what you said with the three point five rounds, you're getting into yeah. three point five odds, one point eight three just to go over a round and a half. Yeah, I, I like that. I, I think Amanda. Now, Nunez- are you getting risky with the Nunez because of the possible uh, KO TKO option with her? You know what? She has the power to finish this fight. She really does. But, you know, she works with American top team. They're great coaches. They always put ga- good game plans together for her. I just think they know, okay, Megan Anderson, what is her path to victory? It's a TKO KO win. So let's, in the first round, take it slow. You know, yeah. she, she... Five rounds, right? It's five rounds. And, and you know what? There's been a knock on Amanda Nunes in the past that she doesn't have the greatest cardio. Um, I don't know if that's really shown as of late, but... She paces herself well. I think she knows there's a chance I don't take out Megan Anderson in the first round. Um, so let's take it slow. This is five rounds. We've got five rounds to work. This could be the first round where it's it's a very slow striking affair, feel out process, and maybe a little bit of grappling on Amanda Nunes's part, feeling that she has such a, an advantage on the ground over Megan Anderson, which, in my opinion, is is true. I think that's her largest. That's the largest difference in their skills ability. I think it's on the ground. I think Amanda Nunes is far better. So uh, why not exercise that? I think her coaches are going to want that. So, yeah, go with that. Um, over 1.5, 1.83. Um, I like that, to be completely honest. Yeah. Um, and you're probably getting a bit greedy if you start doing it more. So, yeah, over 1.5, lock that in. That's an official play. I like that too, too, um, there we go. We found a little bit of value on that, that fight. Good. And again, you want to play a red coat uh, play, a red coat bet, yeah. Megan Anderson by KO. That's not an official play, though. Don't get it twisted. All right, moving on to the main event. Jan Blahovich against Israel Adesanya. Oh, my God. Izzy's in the building. Yeah, let me tell you two funny things here. Uh, I have bet against Izzy in nearly all his fights. Um, since, sorry, I should clarify, since he fought for the title. He fought Robert Whitaker. He fought him for the title. I took Robert Whitaker in that fight. He fought Yoel Romero to defend the belt. I took Yoel Romero, thinking that Yoel Romero would be far too athletic. Yoel Romero decided not to fight that night. And then I took Paulo Costa because I thought Paulo Costa would be just too much and his aggression would be too much for uh, Israel Adesanya. And uh, he lo- Israel looked the best he ever did, really, in that fight. Um so I have a definite uh, bias against Israel Adesanya. I would even call myself a little bit of a hater. Not that I I, I admire his greatness, but uh, I have bet against him on quite a few occasions. Uh, I guess not buying into his greatness, so to speak. On the other hand, we got Jan Blanchowicz, who in the last nine fights, Stapes, listen to this, he's been an underdog. Yeah. Sorry, out of the last nine fights, eight of them he's been an underdog. Yes, I did see that stat today, actually. Uh, people keep writing off the Polish power of Jan Blachowicz. Um and you know what? This pick might bite me in the ass. I, I'm tired of losing. I'm taking Israel Adesanya here. Um, look, here's the reasoning. There's been a lot of talk about Israel Adesanya, what he's going to weigh when he comes in this fight. Uh, 
he uh, said in an interview that he really didn't bulk up for this fight. And he said, don't be surprised if I weigh, say, uh, 193 coming into this fight. I don't know if that's the truth. I don't know how much he's going to weigh. I don't think it's really going to matter. Um, Israel Adesanya has always been a big middleweight. He's always had the frame, so to speak, I would say, for light heavyweight. Uh, he's definitely not going to be near the level of strength that Jan Blachowicz is going to be. But what he's going to have is he's going to have uh, much quicker striking speed. Uh, Jan Blachowicz is a flat-footed, traditional kickboxer, I would say. He has some looping punches that are unorthodox. Uh, but really, it's been his power that has really carried him as of the, the last little stretch that he's been on. And he's had some formidable wins. I mean, think about this. This guy started in the UFC um, two and four. He had two wins and four losses. But then he just, he found a way to put it all together, had a nice little string. And then in the Dominic Reyes fight, I think that was his most impressive performance. But uh, I think that, I think the, uh, the it's all going to come crashing down here. I think Israel Adesanya, he, uh, he fights as a counter striker. So what he d- likes to do is he likes to sit back, wait for the opponent to come to him, and then he's going to counter them. Um, that's when he's at his best. If somebody doesn't want to counter, if somebody doesn't want to be aggressive with him, he just sits back and then he kicks. And I think that's what's going to end up happening here. I think he's going to end up having a kick heavy game against Jan, John Blahovich because I think John is going to come out and be trying to play a slow paced fight. I don't think he's going to go into aggressive against Israel because he knows that's where he's going to get caught. Jan loves to do this thing where it's, it's been called the Jan blitz. Um, where he just starts marching forward and throwing punches. He's He's been effective in that. He was effective against Reyes against that. But Israel's the type of fighter that make you pay for that. I mean, Israel's an intelligent fighter. And this is a conversation we had yesterday. Uh, what does that mean, an intelligent fighter? An intelligent fighter who is somebody who can mix up the striking well, is somebody who can bait and trap their opponent. And by bait and trap their opponent, I mean w- when they're fighting, um, they're doing things to trick their opponent to behave in a certain manner. So then they can capitalize on the movement. It's always being, say, two steps ahead of your opponent. Um, if this is a grappling event, I think John Blahovich has a serious advantage. I think the strength-wise, he has a very strong top game, um, but I don't think it's going to get there. Uh, I think Israel is just going to have too much movement. I think this is going to be a slow-paced fight, to be completely honest. I think there's gonna, uh, Jan's going to be slightly timid. Um, Jan might pick it up later in the third round, uh, but those are the cases where he might get hurt. Look, I'm, I'm taking Israel to win. Um, I'm hesitant to pull the trigger on Israel to win by KO. I'm going to be completely honest because, again, I see a world where Israel Adesanya can take this to the unanimous decision, barring that Jan Blahovich doesn't get sloppy and doesn't start getting super aggressive. Um, so, I, you know what? I'm thinking as Israel Adesanya to win. Um, if you wanted to get greasy, maybe Israel Adesanya by decision. That's definitely not an official play. Maybe depending how, how many drinks I'm in on a Saturday night, we'll see. But uh, the overs, again, this is something you go over 2.5. I think that's decent odds. 1.72, T-Man. Yeah, so 1.72, I like that. Over 3.5, I think that's where you start getting a bit greedy. Yeah, you're into plus money then. Um, but yeah, the over 2.5, I really like that. Like I said, I think the first round is going to be slow. I think second round is going to be slow. Um, I think it's going to be a lot of kicking, a lot of leg kicking. Jan Blahovich, I mentioned this earlier, he fought Diego Santos. For the first two rounds, it was a heavy kicking game, just back and forth. Israel Adesanya, he loves to just chop away at his opponents. Saw it against Paulo Costa. When they don't want to engage, chops away, they start to slow down. He can start picking his uh, points a bit more. So this is a fight you want to play the over, I think, here. Um, But Israel Adesanya, I think, can get it done. I might eat Crow here because Jan Blahovich has been, a, like I said, eight, 
fights, he's been the underdog. He's won. And, uh, or sorry, eight fights, he's, he's been the underdog and he's won quite a few of them. So, uh, but look here, I, I think Israel is the fighter. I think he's the man right now. Uh, I think he's everything that Conor McGregor was initially thought to be. Conor McGregor is an amazing fighter, but like he, he, there's a murderer's role on lightweight. And I think you can remove him from that conversation of say being the, the one of the top goats, but Israel Adesanya, I think is knocking on that door, especially if he continues the way he's going. So uh, yeah, I, I think Israel Adesanya gets it done here. All right. So Israel parlay piece there a 1.44 or what's the, what's the, uh, do you have an official play on that or you, you know what part or, of me or over two and a half round round at 1.72 also a good look there, there are some fights i hate betting because i just want to watch the fight you yeah, just be absolutely. a fight fan but you know what this is a betting podcast obviously uh Jan's one of the bigger guys that israel's fought so it's sometimes the power of might worry me i mean we've seen these middleweights move up the light heavyweight and they haven't fared that well but uh i just think israel's just a smarter fighter i think he's gonna be he, he's a guy who shows up on fight night he shows up to win uh, I think he's going to get it done here. So, yeah, I would say parlay piece. I'm pretty confident in Israel here. All right. All right. Well, folks, that's it for the UFC 259 card. Um, stay tuned to Twitter because there's probably more stuff I'm going to throw out. You know what? There's more fights I would love to talk about. But, like, uh, there, frankly, there's just been so many fights. I wanted to focus on the ones that really caught my attention. Um, but there's more stuff I'm going to be looking into, um, specifically overs, maybe some little additional greasy props. Like I said, follow us on heavy hitters 94. I'll be posting all our plays there. That's where we're going to talk about the official plays. <laughs> we'll talk about our leans, uh, what we like, uh, you know, maybe little parlay pieces. So yeah, again, like T man said, heavy hitters 94, that's where you'll find all this information. Stapes. This was a really long podcast. I'm not going to lie. This, uh, but you, this you, is one of the longest ones we've done. We, we got to do it though. T man. Do you understand? Like people don't understand how good of a card this UFC 259 is it's like I don't like I've been following UFC for a few years now I don't think I've ever seen a card like this so like I said in the intro this is a a card that's going to get MMA fight fans all up but this is a card that's also going to get the casuals out yeah there's going to be a lot of money flowing on bet 365 on whatever app you use Uh, a lot of drunk bets made Saturday night no but even like you just said even non-UFC fans they're they will be tuning into this I like I know what's going to happen. Uh, it's late at night. Uh, they see this UFC card. Uh, they they're going to recognize some names. They will. There's no way they won't. Uh, and you know what? That'll pique their interest. So this is a great card for uh, you know UFC fans and non UFC fans to tune into. Yeah, it, you know what? I, I'm pumped for this. I I, I get a, I get excited for every UFC card, but uh, this one definitely a lot more to me. Uh, th- there's nothing better on a Saturday night than when I have. 15 fights to look forward to. And a couple Beverginos, of course. They're all bangers. So there's going to be quite a few Beverginos. Uh, we're going to try to limit the amount of drunk posting that we do on the uh, the Twitter handle. I'm going to be completely honest with you. That sometimes gets out of hand. Um, been blocked by a few accounts. Um, <laughs> Shout out to our boy, big man on campus. <laughs> oh, shit. All right. Anyways, um, Stapes, as per usual, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, you know what? This is a hell of a weekend we got in store here, T-Man. So let's make these official plays green. Let's fucking get it.